following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! This, this is Mick Shots. Streaming live on DallasCowboys.com and the official Dallas Cowboys app. Now, here are Bill Jones, Everson Walls, and Nikki Spagnola. And here we are. It's Tuesday at 11.30 a.m. Central Time, and that means only one thing. It's time for Mix Shots with Mickey Spagnola inside the SWBC Mortgage Studio at Ford Center at the Star in Frisco. Everson Walls inside his own SWBC Mortgage Studio. And I am at my home as well, and we are one week and two days away from the start of the 2021 National Football League draft. And uh, lots going on because the, uh, what I guess is a, well, it's kind of sort of virtual offseason around the National Football League is underway this week. And there's so much to talk to, talk about over the next hour here on Mick Shots. Mickey Everson, how you doing? Let's start with Mickey first. Mickey, since it's your name on this show. <laughs> <laughs> That's a scary proposition. I'm doing you're fine. The, you're the one responsible. Yes, I, I, I'm responsible for us being here, right? Uh, no, everything's good. It's a beautiful day, and we got uh, activity out on the football field here over the last couple days. And Everson, how are you doing? <laughs> I am doing wonderful. So good to be here. By the way, Bill, you were late signing on, so I want to make sure that the public right. knows that. And that, yes, every, everything here is Spagnola's fault. So I want to put those disclaimers out there right now and uh, just let you know. Uh, Spags, you actually have a front row seat, don't you, to the Cowboy practices, uh, to even maybe Dak Prescott's recovery. Have you been watching him out there? Has he been practicing? I heard he's out there practicing with anybody and anyone that will try and catch his passes. I even yeah, heard Mickey. you were out there in the end zone one day trying to catch some passes. So no, have you I, been checking him out? Have you been checking out his progress or anything like that? I, I, I know better than go and try to catch his passes. I learned that long <laughs> time ago in uh, a quick story in 1993 after Troy Aikman had his back surgery. Uh, in June, uh, I believe the Cowboys played a, I can't remember if they played in Mexico City that year. They, they played a game that I wasn't covering, uh, and I went out to watch him throw, and Babe Laufenberg was supposed to be there to catch for him. And Babe was late, so his, his uh, physical therapist was out there, and <laughs> He went out and said, yeah, I'll catch some. And Troy goes, ah, I don't know. You, you need to wear some gloves. And the guy goes, no, I don't need to wear gloves. So I was standing on the sideline, and I was thinking, well, I, I can go out there and catch a few. I was up close oh, and personal to a few of the passes he was throwing, and I said, Ain't no way. I need these hands for my living. I am not going to go out there. This poor guy's hands were beat red before Babe got there with his gloves on to catch. So, yeah, I'm not catching Dak. I haven't seen him throw the football. I've seen him do his rehab work, 
and he's moving awfully well on the field doing his different uh, exercises that uh, Britt Brown has him going through. And as I've said previously, I had to remind myself, did he hurt his left foot or his right foot? Because you can't tell the difference. So that's a good sign of oh, that's what's taking place. That's good. I, I, have, a, I have a nice little uh, Doug Williams story for you. You know, he used to throw extremely hard, of course. Uh, being at Grambling, uh, he was the, the first black college quarterback to be up for the Heisman. So everything in practice was about Coach Eddie Robinson showcasing Doug Williams. I mean, we had a lot of people come to town. Irv Cross, Jane Kennedy, Musburger, all those guys would come to town to see this, uh, this black Moses is what I called him. <laughs> and so uh, he ended up, uh, every time he'd throw the ball to the wide receivers, they would all have the same reaction as trying to catch Troy's passes uh, as, the, as the young man did. And uh, I recall Mike Moore, he's bugging the heck out of me. He calls me all the time. He's a big mouth tight end that we had at Grambling that I love to death. One of those guys that kept everything going. He had to take these two fingers together because there was a slit coming down his finger from trying to catch Doug Williams' passes. I mean, you could just see it. There was, a, there was, there was blood here from where the, ball, the, the point of the ball would hit his hands when he tried to come back and catch the curl route. And that, that, to me, that was typical of a Doug Williams pass. So you talk about Troy Aikman. Yeah, I think Doug might have uh, turned it up just a little bit more in regards to the comparisons. Actually, uh, at, a, at, at one of those quarterback school sessions that turned into OTAs in uh, Elvin Harper's rookie year, so I'm guessing that was 91. He was out there catching Troy passes, and Alvin's got huge hands, right, which means long fingers. And he caught a Troy pass, and the cone of the football went between his two fingers yeah. and split the yeah. webbing, oh. and blood started flying That's all it. over the place. And, I, and that should have That's been it. that should have been sign enough that when I was there in '93, <laughs> not even to consider catching one of his passes. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, so, Bill, cone, how are your cone, hands? The cone can be scary coming at you. That's right. <laughs> my hands are just fine because I haven't been in the way of a Troy Aikman pass in my life. Or in, and in you play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, kind of bringing it back to the draft, uh, I think Gil Brandt may say to this day that Troy Aikman had the best uh, workout he has ever seen leading up to the draft, even here 30, uh, 32 years later. Uh, that uh, and and so maybe that's that's the the real test is you get someone who's not usually a receiver, doesn't have the calloused hands, and uh, and that's how you can decide whether a quarterback has has what it takes to be a quarterback in this league. The, the league, uh, the velocity on his footballs because. Uh, uh, first one that makes your hands bleed, uh, he's your top pick. Maybe Trevor Lawrence can do that, too. Well, you know what, Troy, too, by the way, he was so accurate. So practices, you know, the ball rarely hit the ground. Uh, and that, that first Super Bowl in 92, uh, early in the week, they were practicing, and a couple of his passes hit the ground. And I remember North Turner telling the story, oh, my God. Is he nervous? What what's going on? We'll never score a touchdown. You know, he might have missed two passes in in practice that he's normally uh, used to not missing. So, uh, but anyway, you know, I, I, I just had a thought. I just had a thought, right quick, Spags. 
Has Gil Brandt ever played one minute of any sports uh, at all? I don't believe so. <laughs> I, I, you know, I've never thought about that until now. By catching, has, has he ever caught a pass? Has he ever run one step in his life? I mean, come on. For someone that's supposed to judge talent so much, I've never heard of his own individual athletic prowess. So tell me you've got some background on Gil Brandt as being an athlete when he was growing up, wherever the heck he grew up at. He grew up in outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I have not seen any evidence that he played the game of football. A uniform, a uniform on any team. Or, I mean, anybody, mascot, come on, does he have anything? You better watch He's yourself. He's a graduate of the University of Wisconsin. Right. Well, I better, I better do what, uh, Spags? <laughs> I was going to say, you better watch out because he, he reads and listens I got to it, everything. I got it. Hey, I got it. What do you got? <laughs> I got it from Wikipedia. If you can trust Wikipedia, Everson, you'll love this. All right. Gil, a native of Milwaukee, attended North Division High School where he was a 150-pound starting defensive back. Ah. He also lettered in basketball and track. There you go. And he enrolled at the University of Wisconsin but left after two years. So there you have it. The athletic history of the great Gil Brandt. And he turned into a baby. So that's how we knew. Thank you. That was that was, was very that brief, back? yeah. And then he, then the baby photographer that, came along. Yes, Bags. <laughs> <laughs> it was that background as a defensive back that led Gil Brandt to signing Everson Walls. Ah, <laughs> yeah. <Greenway>. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Did, didn't draft him, <laughs> but signed him as an undrafted free agent out of Thank uh, you for Grambling. That information. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, speaking of quarterbacks, uh, it, uh, the fact that there could be five quarterbacks taken in the top nine picks of this draft affects the Cowboys, who could have the pick of the litter as far as defensive players go when they pick at uh, number 10. All right, I don't, I don't know if either of you have how much you have studied the quarterbacks since the Cowboys have not, are not in the market for one of those uh, quarterbacks, but do you think there will actually be five quarterbacks taken in the top nine picks? And if there is not one taken, uh, which one was most likely to fall out of the top ten? What do you think? I would think the guy that might fall to ten – uh, if it's not in the top nine, uh, would be Trey Lance just because of he hasn't had that much exposure uh, to college football. Uh, only played, what, a, a game last year uh, and then one season. Uh, so I would think if somebody really likes him, then that number 10 pick could be uh, pretty expensive real estate if somebody wanted to move up uh, to grab him because they know the Cowboys aren't going to take him. And if the Cowboys just trade it down a little bit, they know who's ever coming up is going to take a, a quarterback. Uh, so if you don't fall down too many picks, you still may get your choice of one of the top three defensive players in this draft, which the Cowboys certainly uh, would like. You know, I was listening to um, Stephen Jones yesterday on 105.3 The Fan, he's been doing some interviews pre-draft stuff, and, and he said looking at what's going on with the quarterbacks, he goes, this should be pushing some uh, defensive football players 
uh, our direction, meaning if you get a couple, four or five quarterbacks, two wide receivers, a couple offensive linemen, suddenly you get to nine and ten and you may have the pick of that top defensive player. thought it was pretty interesting listening to him uh, basically saying, barring anything opportunistic, we certainly want to improve our defensive football team. And those are words for this team to live by, by the way, going into this draft. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, feeling kind of uh, uh, different about Trey Lance. I mean, when you look at it, he's really just a comparison to uh, Carson Wentz. You know, coming from a smaller school, smaller conference, uh, old school 1AA, that's, that's what I call it. And uh, just showing what a great athlete he is, what a great uh, winner that he is in all the years that he, that he was in college. Uh, I look, I, I, if someone grabs him, uh, they're, they're getting a complete athlete. They're getting a complete football player. Uh, you recall uh, Randall L. back in the day with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, he was able to do so many things, but they put him at wide receiver in order to do that. And he was able to throw the ball on reverses and trick plays. I don't think Trey Lance is looking forward to that. I think he's trying to be more of a traditional quarterback, just like a Carson Wentz. And then you start looking at Fields, the way they have uh, been talking so negatively about him uh, for someone that came through the Big Ten and, you know, uh, played the national championship games and showed his worth on the field. It's funny how his practices and his workouts have not impressed. So that's the difference between what a Troy Aikman did back in the day by up, uplifting his value uh, by having great workouts as opposed to Fields, who I guess he, he, he's not having those type of workouts that uh, Troy Aikman may have had. And now his, his stock is really dropping. Uh, I don't know if he improved himself in his second uh, workout, but that first workout uh, had everybody on panic mode. So, Bill, what's the well, big green then, notebook say on these quarterbacks? Well... Well, the first on, on Trey Lance, uh, you know, the interesting thing about him, as you alluded to, I mean, he, he just had the one game that North Dakota State played in the fall, a 16-game season the, the prior year. I mean, he's only played because they won the national championship and they have a playoff in that FCS. And Imagine so they that. 16 games. So that was, that was his only season to play. And uh, and so here, here's the amazing thing about him is that and he, which shows how much he has shown as far as his athletic ability and everything that NFL teams look for in a quarterback, everything that goes with that. He's only thrown 318 passes in his college career. That's amazing that he's even being considered as a top-of-the-draft type uh, quarterback when he's only thrown 318 passes. Uh, and Because someone has to really be sold on his potential to stand on the table and tell an owner that, yeah, we're going to take the, you know, the fourth pick in the draft or the ninth pick in the draft, whatever it is, uh, we're going to take a quarterback who's only thrown 318 passes. Uh, I, when, when I look at him, I, I think he, he compares a lot with Dak Prescott. Um, and, he, you know, I don't know anything about him as far as you know, what is off the charts with Dak, as we quickly discovered, was his leadership. Uh, ability and his work ethic and that's why Dak has become what he has become now 
the only the only quarterback left standing from that 2016 draft wow. with uh, <laughs> and uh, and so so that that helps Lance uh, because we've seen it before with it because because the thing that that uh, but but you think about Dak at Mississippi State he had a lot more skins on the wall than what Trey Lance has in in college even with Lance winning a national championship at uh, North Dakota State uh, but they they ran him a lot there was a lot of zone read stuff and so you know he had a thousand over a thousand yards rushing that season we all know that uh, you you can't run the football in the NFL to that extent but it does enhance his game. Uh, it, it's just going to be very interesting to see uh, where he lands. And I agree with you, Mickey, that if there is one that's going to fall out of the top ten, assuming that Shanahan is going to take Mac Jones at number three, then I, I think Trey Lance is the most likely to fall out of the top ten just because of the fact that it, there's uh, there's such a, a small sampling of what he did in college. Yeah, and you probably need a team – that says, okay, he doesn't have to be my day one starter. You know, a team that uh, has a veteran there that can kind of bridge the gap to get him uh, to go. So I, I just think if he's still sitting there, somebody in those uh, early teens uh, might come to the Cowboys and say, okay, what about a trade? Uh, Stephen Jones was asked about if he's getting any phone calls. He said, well, he said the phone's not ringing that much, but it'll probably heat up uh, next week when you get kind of closer uh, to the draft. But you know what? Here's my deal. If somebody's wanting to move up to 10 to take a quarterback, they're going to have to pay a king's ransom to get my spot. Mm. Uh, you know, this ain't going to be, well, they're moving up three or four spots and they're taking, you know, an offensive tackle or a wide receiver. This is a quarterback, and they're going to pay the price. Uh, to be able to get a quarterback, and it's going to include multiple first-round picks. I guarantee you that if 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 you're going to encourage me to move. Also, since we're on quarterbacks, uh, you know, Stephen was asked about the possibility of drafting the quarterback, uh, and he said probably not going to be real early in the draft. But he goes, you know, middle middle rounds to late rounds. We'll keep an eye on a guy because you always want to have guys in here to compete. Uh, even if you had a veteran guy there, you want somebody to, to compete. So, uh, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they, they actually do that. And I better raise my hand because they, no one thinks I'm in here. What? <laughs> if there's no motion in this room, the lights somehow go off, and you got to wave your hand oh. to get it back on if you notice there was a little bit of a blackout there. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, so it, it is going to be interesting to see what happens with the with the quarterbacks uh, and how many go ahead question, of the Cowboys. Bill. I have a question, Bill. All right. You know, I'm always trying to get you guys to do research. I'm pretty sure you guys will throw this back in my lap. But I'll say this. In the past, let's say, three years, how many teams that took a quarterback in the first round uh, still made the playoffs. Oh, I, I, let me let me clarify. That first year, how many teams? Yes, and, and how many teams that were not in the playoffs the previous year that took a quarterback to, so that they can improve their their position and still did not make the playoffs that following year by drafting a quarterback to come in and start and and you know right away. 
uh, you know, like a like a, uh, like a Cincinnati last year, uh, they did. With even Joe though the Burrow. young man got hurt, even though he got hurt, you know, they weren't they, they still weren't able to make the playoffs. You know, that I guess I'm trying to to point out. You know, we've got this emphasis on taking quarterbacks in the first round. How much has it improved their fortune in to, in, as, as far as the entire NFL is concerned? I would love to see uh, how those seasons worked out because, you know, you, want these, you throw these guys in there right away thinking that they're ready to play and that they're going to be a savior for your organization. I mean, how many times does that work out? New York Giants with Jones. You know, that's another one. Uh, yeah, but you know, that, Everson, that, what you that, have to remember, though, is the reason you're drafting high and the ability to get a quarterback is you were bad. And it's not just bad because you didn't have a quarterback. You were just a bad team, right? Cincinnati, prime example. The Giants, a prime example. Uh, now, the it, Jets. It, yeah. Jets, it, now, if you were a good team yeah. and you were able to trade up to go get one, then that's a different story. Or. You can be like the but Cowboys, why, why right, and start a fourth-round fourth quarterback, and you, you made the playoffs. <laughs> right. But, but, but my thing is, uh, does the quarterback position have to be the priority? Sometimes you got to get that O-lineman first instead of going after a quarterback like a Sam Donald who was never able to develop. I think it sometimes hurts these players – Overall development, when we throw them into the fire right away, thinking they're going to save our organization. And not only do they not save it, a lot of times disaster happens. You know, like right now with the Giants, even though they kicked our butts, so we can't, I can't talk too much about them this year. But you're talking about, the, you know, Jones being the quarterback there. You know, did he improve their position at all by drafting him in the first round and making him play uh, from snap one? You know, these are the kind of things that are they're prevalent in the NFL, but how successful is it making these teams? Well, that's my point. Here, here's the double-edged sword to that. Uh, number one, you're right, drafting him and throwing him in there before they're ready, and you ruin a quarterback, right? That, that's the problem. But the problem is because you take a guy with the first, second, third pick in the draft, everybody expects you to start the guy right away. And I think a lot of quarterback careers have been ruined by that. But on the other side, what happens is if you're not taking a quarterback in the first round and because everybody needs a quarterback, I guarantee you the, the, the rate of failure from the third round down is pretty darn high. So uh, it, there's just not enough quarterbacks and you better get one in the first round traditionally, right? The the odds are with you that you're yeah. going to hit, but the odds of hitting with somebody after the second round, not real good. That's why the Dak Prescott thing is almost a minor miracle uh, these days in the it NFL. It really is. No. Well, that's, that certain circumstances brought him down to the, the fourth round, you know, that where he made a couple of mistakes, I think, in college. I think he had DWI or something that affected everything. And so he dropped for some really hard, really uh, far because of that uh, infraction, if I'm not mistaken. But I'm sure that if you take a look at some examples of a team that decided, you know what, we're going to go against the grain. We're not going to pick a quarterback. We're going to go with one of the baddest offensive tackles we have in college right now or one of the baddest linebackers we have. And, and so the culture is shifted 
Now they say, okay, we're going to start with the offensive lineman first. Or we're going to show up our defense first. And then we're going to go to the importance of uh, having a quarterback. There have been teams that have gone that route, correct? And been successful at it. They created a whole new culture in their organization. Not a lot of them. All right. I, uh, well, you're... <laughs> Go ahead, Mickey. No, I just said not a lot of them have gone that route. <laughs> it's like, let me get the quarterback, then I'll fill in after that. Hmm, okay, let me, uh, let me throw this in. Uh, I'm, got, I'm doing my little research here as you've been talking on. All right, these are quarterback. These are the number one overall quarterbacks, okay? They're, they're not all of the first-rounders that I've been able to research while you've been talking, but the recent number one overall draft pick quarterbacks. And how did their team do the season that they were drafted, okay? Uh, and Joe Burrow last year, the Bengals went 4-11-1. Kyler Murray the year before, uh, 5-10-1 is what the Cardinals went. Baker Mayfield the year before, the Browns went 7-8-1 that year. Uh, the year before, uh, 2016, Jared Goff, the Rams went 4-12, I believe, that year. Okay, Jameis Winston, uh, 6-10 in 2015. Then you go back to Andrew Luck in 2012. The Colts went 11-5 and made the playoffs uh, when a Andrew Luck was the overall number one draft pick. So that was Let's nine years ago. Let's look at that percentage, ago. man. Look at that well, percentage, guys. But think about this. You know, for the Browns, talking, talking the Browns going 7-8-1 was probably an improvement, right? <laughs> <laughs> true, true, That's true, true. true. And then true. those yeah, other guys, that most yeah. of, the majority of those other guys still haven't panned out, have they? And, yeah. and, but see, when you start looking at this from an analytic standpoint, usually they would take, a, take a, uh, those numbers that Bill just read out, which is pretty telling, and say, you know what? Maybe we need to change the direction here. Now, I will say some of those teams improved the second year, and in the third year, yes, I will say that. But did they improve because they shored up the rest of the team? And would they have improved quicker if they would have gone with other positions first to show up the team and then pick a quarterback some other time? You see what I'm saying? It's a way for it's a way to look at numbers. That's one thing and, I do. And know. I can take it further you can back. Always change numbers uh, to where it can benefit you and to benefit your argument. But to me, what Bill Jones just read out, that's, that argument right there has merit. Like, maybe we should go another direction. I mean, I'm sorry. That, that argument right there, those numbers that Bill just called out, that's pretty telling stuff right there, guys. That's, that's just ignored, and we're still on this quarterback thing, as opposed to, you know, going with the uh, – you're going to put a quarterback back there and you still have a crappy offensive line? There's nothing the QB can do about that but get hurt. So I don't know, man. To me, it seems like analytics aren't working in this regard. They're not using it in the same manner as they use it as far as calling a football game. That's just my opinion. I can go a little a step further with it. Cam Newton uh, in 2011, Panthers went 6-10 uh, and 10 his first year. Sam Bradford, uh, the Rams went seven and nine. Matthew Stafford, the Lions went two and fourteen. And Jamarcus Whoa. Russell, Jamarcus <laughs> Russell, four and twelve. Time. 
Sleepy time. That's sleepy time. <laughs> so and I the took Dallas you all Cow- the way back. And the, the Dallas yeah. Cowboys one in fifteen. <laughs> so it doesn't always go. hold. With, uh, it doesn't always hold. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then uh, uh, Alex Smith, the 49ers were 4-12, and so we've taken you back to 2005 there. All right, we've got much more Man, mixed shots tough. coming up in just a moment. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Grab some OtterBox gear and get ready for hanging with the boys. From rugged venture coolers to tough-as-nails elevation tumblers, we've got what you need to keep your game day drinks frosty and your football feast ice cold. And with cases, screen protectors, and power accessories, you can defend your phone and stay connected to every play. Gear up at OtterBox.com and amp up the fun of every Cowboys game. That's OtterBox.com. Just like all of you, we at Seeky can't wait until we're back in the stands at full strength cheering on the Cowboys and singing along to our favorite songs again. We're using this time to make discovering, buying, and selling tickets to events in Dallas easier. Plus, every ticket purchased on SeatGeek is protected by our buyer guarantee, which means you'll get your money back or better if your event is canceled. Guaranteed. Download the SeatGeek app today, and when the time is right, let's go. SeatGeek. Back, back to Mick Shots. Cowboys fans, enter the free-to-play draft pick challenge presented by DraftKings for a chance to win 2021 season tickets. Submit your picks before the draft starts on April 29th. Must be 21 years of age or older to play. To see the official rules and enter now, go to DallasCowboys.com slash draft pick challenge. All right, we are now nine days away from the first round of the National Football League draft. All right, in the break, I did a a little more research. I took you back to 2004 on that quarterback. This is your your, uh, first round, top of the first round quarterback challenge here. And 2004, that was the year Eli Manning was the number one overall pick of the San Diego Chargers, traded to the Giants. Phillip Rivers was the pick of the Chargers. In 2004, Eli Manning, yeah. the Giants went 6-10 and after making the Eli Manning pick. The Chargers, however, went 12-4 and that year, and they drafted Phillip Rivers. That's right. There's a big difference there, though. Phillip Rivers did not play. Drew Brees was the quarterback. <laughs> Real cute. Good one, William. I like that. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, so there you go. So, so here, here you go. We're talking about Trey Lance. The best place for Trey Lance might be with a team that's already got a quarterback so that he can learn underneath that quarterback and then he gets an opportunity. That may be the way to go. I mean, Trey Lance might have the most successful in any of the quarterbacks if he goes that way. Case in point, Patrick Mahomes plays behind Alex Smith the first year and then is lights out when he finally gets an opportunity to play. So basically what you're saying is the Washingtons will move up and take Trey Lawrence. Trey Trey Lance, I mean. Trey Lance? Lance. Because <laughs> they got Ryan Fitzpatrick to man the ship in the meantime. Okay, I gotta Kinda get like this. Kind of like with the Dolphins last year. Yeah, I gotta get this off my chest here, and I want you guys to figure out if my logic is is just totally off base. So Yesterday was the start of the basically off-season workouts, and 19 teams have decided that they don't want to participate in the off-season workouts. The Cowboys, on the other hand, uh, for these last two days, uh, they've got a morning workout session, afternoon workout session, and if I'm just kind of coming up with a ballpark figure, they've probably had 15 guys working out in each session. And what's going on now in the first phase, let's be clear, the first phase is basically strength and conditioning. All right? Just strength and conditioning. The part we see, the guys are out on the field doing their running exercises, different kind of uh, routines. Uh, And then if there's any meetings afterwards, Those meetings are virtual, right? Well, the NFLPA has come out and say they want a total, total virtual offseason, just like last year, okay? My question is, how do you do strength and conditioning virtually? Like, are you going to sit there and they're going to film you while you're doing what the strength and conditioning coach says? And, and, and they're talking about, and, and they had a, a pretty lengthy uh, media conference yesterday with Demoris Smith and J.C. Uh, Tretter, uh, the president, the player president for the NFLPA. And all they kept saying is, you know, they want the players safe in the offseason, this and that. Okay, so strength and conditioning. If, if you're coming into the facility to lift weights and run under the jurisdiction of the strength and conditioning coach, you're getting tested every day, right? You're you're not just coming in and being around a bunch of people that you may end up getting infected, right? So if, 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 if that's not the safest environment to do your strength and conditioning, what is? And if you're doing it on your own, where are you working out? Because not everybody has a home gym, right? And not everybody's going to run as hard as you do when you've got 15 guys along with you. So to me, it doesn't make sense. And they talked about guys working out on their own. Have any of you guys been in a gym lately to work out? Because the pandemic's over, at least where I go. Ain't nobody even got a mask on. They're not testing temperatures or anything. So how is that safer in the offseason to get ready for a football season than coming into the facility? So I, I just think there's a little bit of BS going on here. And, and Everson, I know you're a big union guy. 
But the NFLPA, to me, is trying to come out, and, 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 and Smith, D. Smith, said yesterday, this is not a boycott. This is just telling players to do what's safest for them. Okay, I get it. But the other thing I get is they're trying to appease their membership for that 17th game getting approved, right? They did a trade-out. They, they got some financial concessions to give the owners the right to give them a 17th game. Now, all of a sudden, they're worried about their off-season and staying healthy. Well, how do you stay healthy working out on your own? You know, I get the OTA parts. I was never a fan of OTAs. Um, if you were going to do OTAs, the OTAs should be like walkthroughs, right? But they put a helmet on, and all of a sudden, you know guys will be guys, right? And suddenly, you start getting competitive. And guys are jumping and leaping for catches and falling on their shoulders without, you know, you don't got shoulder pads on. So I get that part of it. But I don't get these four weeks of not participating in strength and conditioning. And you're telling me that helps your body be ready for the start of training camp. I, I, I just don't get that part of this whole deal. I, I hear what you're saying, Spags, and, and like you said, a heavy union guy. I was a union rep for the Cowboys back in 87, doing the whole scrub thing, uh, uh, scab thing. Uh, but what, what you found out, uh, as they found out in education, they found out it was safer for the kids to go to school as opposed to staying home from school and learning virtually. They found out that as you come to school, you have all the mechanisms in place, the protocol as in pl is in place, as you said, in regards to testing and things of that nature. To me, it's a no-win situation, because you, you can still have those problems. Uh, you can still infect others while you have practice together, because you can bring that from home to the practice field. But either way, if you go home and work out, you won't be as competitive. That's very true. You won't improve as well by just working out on your own. That's also very true, unless you're a, a, an extremely unique player who's, who's very motivated, which a lot of them are motivated, but just the odds of that happening are very high. I do understand the concern there. To me, like I said, it's a no-win situation. You can get it at home and bring it there, or you can come and work out with some guys who brought it to the practice field, and then you can take it home. So those kind of things are still a concern here, and, you know, it's, when it's all said and done, the union's just reacting to the way society is. If we could have had this thing under control by now, by everyone doing the right thing, we wouldn't even be having this conversation, Spags. So that's like trying to put out a fire that started a long time ago and is still burning way back there, and now you're trying to control it here in the present. So to me, it's still tough either way, Spags, and I do agree in part with what you're saying. But what do you do? What is the alternative? Well, to me, if you're coming into the facility, you're getting tested every day. You're not getting tested going anywhere else. So to me, how is that safer? Uh, and and, and in, in, a, in a letter that uh, Demora Smith and J.C. Tedder sent out to uh, the union members, uh, there's a sentence in here that says, it is the recommendation of the NFLPA based on our medical experts' advice that if the voluntary off-season program is in, persons, in person, players should not attend. 
Now, they, they may choose whatever word they want, that it's a personal decision, and he didn't like it during the press conference yesterday when somebody mentioned it was a boycott. This is not a boycott. This is not a strike. <laughs> this is personal preference. I get it, but you're telling guys that the NFLPA COVID committee that we that we suggest they have an entirely virtual offseason once again. I get it on the OTA practices and maybe the mini camps and how they how they do those things. But strength and conditioning, to me, that does not having that doesn't help you prepare. I mean, I don't know what you did in the offseason because uh, you didn't have OTAs or quarterback schools back then, right? You were on uh, your own. We uh, had mini camps. You had a we mini had camp, mini, we had like a, mini a couple, right? Yeah, that we was had it. a couple of mini camps. Yes, we did. That's true. So because true. I remember, gosh, I can't remember who the, it was one of the linebackers back in the 70s. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, and, and, and I asked Hollywood. him. No, it wasn't Hollywood. It, it was the guy from Mississippi State. Rodrigo Barnes. No, it was from oh. Mississippi State. D.D. Lewis. D.D. Lewis. D.D. Lewis. I asked oh, D.D. Lewis. Yeah. I asked D.D. Lewis one time in a in, in an interview. I said, "So in the off season, what did you do to get ready?" And he goes, "Well, he goes every day, at least for a couple hours, I would sit in the pool and do twelve ounce curls." <laughs> That was his off-season preparation. You can't compare D.D. Lewis to the athletes these days. That is extremely unfair, man. Please don't compare D.D. Lewis's off-season. You know, come on, man. That is not cool at all, man. So that so, was the – but, but, that, no, but I, back I, that, then, you know, training camp was to get ready for the season. Now you want to be ready before true. you go to that's training true. camp, yeah. right? So I, 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 I just don't get uh, the logic behind the whole thing. Thing. Plus, that basically the NFL has basically said all Tier 1 and Tier 2 employees, so that's all coaches, uh, anybody else that is around the players on a daily basis, that they have to be vaccinated. And if they're not vaccinated, then they cannot be around the players on a daily basis. And, and they're saying, we're not requiring you to be vaccinated. We're just suggesting to be around the players that you, you better be vaccinated. Otherwise, you've got to do your job from afar, which I think is a pretty good move. And they basically are telling teams to make sure that they're educating all their employees to get vaccinated, not requiring it, but educating them to the point of holding vaccination sites at your facility to help everyone get vaccinated, including family members. So they've taken that step. But now to say, now, you know what? I want to get paid 200, $275 a day in the offseason for virtual workouts. Go ask some teachers how well students pay attention when they're Zooming classes, right? I had one teacher tell me that, you know what? How do I get kids not to fall asleep during my, my lesson? Because I look up and I, there, there's a kid sleeping, right? And there's no parent there to wake him up. And some guys don't, and I'll be one of them. I, I can sit in a class and watch it on, on a screen. I learn better if I'm actually doing it. Like if you got me on the field walking me through steps. And I remember back in the, gosh, I can't remember. It was late 90s maybe. The Cowboys had a running back and he was local. 
uh, it was a free agent, and they finally decided, figured out that he learned better on the field instructions than he did looking at a video or uh, you know a, a grease screen or whatever they call it and diagram and plays. Lincoln Coleman. Yeah, it's like yeah, Lincoln Coleman. No, Tyson no, it wasn't, no, it wasn't. It was Thompson. It was Thompson. You're right. From uh, Irving, probably Tyson Irving Thompson. MacArthur, Irving High right? School. <laughs> no, it was Irving High School. No, we, we would have loved to have had him at MacArthur. But 525 yards in one game in high school, I think it was probably against oh, MacArthur. <laughs> so anyway, I'm, hey, I'm just, I just no, don't, no, I just don't understand the logic of this whole thing. But no, Spags, I think you brought up a good point. It's all about the vaccinations. I mean, let's be real. If you're talking about vaccinations being there, then no one's going to even make this argument at all. All excuses will be out of the window. So that's the magic word there, man. The, the vaccinations must be done, uh, at least be educated on it. And if you're going to put out a mandate, uh, uh, as opposed to putting out a virtual uh, a mini camp, I think the mandate should be, or at least the importance should be, on everyone getting vaccinated, not just uh, tier one. Uh, when you say tier one, I'm sure you're talking about players as well. I'm assuming if you're talking that, but the players should be vaccinated and their families. I mean, it's out there for everyone right now. So to me, no excuses for that. This off season, the vaccinations should be the priority, not necessarily whether the workouts are virtual or not, because if we get the vaccinations done, then yeah, OTAs can be virtual, but then as we improve into the, as we get into the off season, further into the off season, then you maybe you're looking at a change of mindset. You're looking at a change of mindset in all the leadership, and then we can go back to being being normal, so to speak. You know, and their other point was not having was having a virtual off season improve play. I don't know what they were watching, right? It, it, it certainly wasn't this team. Uh, I guarantee you that. And what they wanted to point and not out. Not to mention the injuries. Yeah. Not to mention and the they injuries said injuries that, went that down. I didn't see where injuries went down and sure Whoa, didn't apply to lie. this team, no, right? That is a lie. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and they you pointed know, out you know the that, hey, that... the teams were so good, they scored more points in any NFL season 12,692, and there was an average of 49.6 points scored a game, the highest since 1970. Yeah, you know that why they scored so many football. points? Because that the defenses defense. were so terrible. Yeah. So, that doesn't make better football. I, yeah. I, I just don't agree with their argument. And then one other thing on this vaccine, I know we probably got to go here, but I, I saw where the Buffalo Bills have basically put out a mandate and said if fans are not vaccinated, they will not be able to attend Bills games. And they're getting ready to use something called an Excelsior Pass app. Uh, and it's only for people, it's eligible for people that live in the state of New York. And they said there'll be no exceptions, not religious or medical. Either you're vaccinated or you're not going to be allowed into the games and you have to have the app to show people that you've been vaccinated. So I don't know if that's extreme or not, but that's the step they're taking uh, in, in Buffalo. We don't have time to get into this, but what do they do about people who have had COVID and are not a candidate to be vaccinated? Haven't heard that part yet. Okay. All right. That's something to think about. All right. 
Uh, we continue with more mixed shot. I'm glad you mentioned D.D. Lewis because uh, there will be a <laughs> Cowboys Legends TV show on D.D. Lewis coming up in the fall, I believe. And uh, he, talk, he talks about the fact that he has not done 12-ounce curls in about 35 years now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we have more, more mixed shots in just a moment. <laughs> We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears. Okay, let's play. Ah, uh, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Grab some OtterBox gear and get ready for hanging with the boys. From rugged venture coolers to tough as nails elevation tumblers, we've got what you need to keep your game day drinks frosty and your football feast ice cold. And with cases, screen protectors, and power accessories, you can defend your phone and stay connected to every play. Gear up at OtterBox.com and amp up the fun of every Cowboys game. That's OtterBox.com. Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with United Ag and Turf. When there's work to be done, a real workhorse can make all the difference. Like the Range Boss Package. Our 5075E John Deere 75 horsepower tractor features a bell spear and loader and starts at $369 per month. And the price you see is the price you'll pay. No surprises. It works like a horse, so you don't have to. Visit UnitedAgandTurf.com. Offer ends February 1st, 2021. Restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Now, let's get to work. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. Back, back, back. To mixed shots. Dallas Cowboys football and Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders dance, dance youth camps are back this spring and summer for athletes and dancers of all skill levels. Save $25 with early bird pricing now through May 10th. Register today at DallasCowboys.com slash academy. All right, we've got about 11 minutes left here of uh, mixed shots, nine days away from the draft. And, and uh, Mickey, uh, you're Stephen Jones talking defense, defense, defense. So what about an offensive lineman? When, when do you want to take your offensive lineman in this draft? I would take one as early in the second round, maybe the third or fourth. Uh, I would take an offensive tackle. I don't have to have the best offensive tackle or the second best. Just give me somebody that has some quality better, better than any of these swing tackles the Cowboys have employed over the last four years. That's all I'm asking for, a guy that can step in and be my swing tackle. He doesn't have to start. He would have the capability of playing a little guard maybe if, if, if needed. But again, that backup offensive tackle spot to me is the one spot that they need to take care of in this draft. That 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 I need mm. somebody that can play. 
Doesn't have to be a first-rounder, maybe not even a second-rounder. But third, fourth, give me somebody that I can sink my teeth into to grooming uh, as we uh, move forward. And, and I'm sure there's some guys there that, you know, they'll have something wrong with them, but you figure out they've got some traits that you can work with better than undrafted free agents that the Cowboys had to start last year at both spots. When was Eric Williams drafted? Third, Third round. round. Third round. Yeah, right, that's a good pick. Larry Allen, was, second was, round. Was he? Uh, Flozell Adams, second round. Solomon Page, second round. And a bunch of those guys started at guard before they moved out to tackle, too, by the way. So are any of those guys out there now? I mean, in the second, third round, you know. Do Bill, we open up that green our notebook. Eyes on some of those guys. <laughs> He's looking right now as we speak. So, I'm sure. All right. So. <laughs> You're wondering, are there are there second rounders, third rounders that are going to be available? That I think they're probably you can you can find them. You can find them. That's right. So, but Mickey, you are would not be in favor of if Penay Sewell or Rayshon Slater, who are the top two ranked tackles that most people talk about, are there for the Cowboys for the taking at number ten, or even in a trade back scenario with Slater at number. 15 or 14 or something like that. You would not be in favor of one of those guys at that point. I, I just think that's, that's using your resources as an embarrassment of riches to think that I have to have a first-round guy at every spot on the offensive line. Ask Everson if he ever how many first round offensive linemen he played with, right? <laughs> go go look at the Cowboys. I don't even remember. I don't even remember my offensive lineman teammates' names. I'm sorry. I don't go look at the name. Cowboys when they were winning when they were winning Super Bowls. The highest the highest drafted offensive lineman of that entire group was Larry Allen, and he didn't get there till 1994, right? The others were third rounders or. Free Kevin, agents, Kevin Gogan. right? Gogan was like a sixth or seventh rounder in a 12-round draft, right? Crawford Kerr. Crawford, Crawford Kerr, Kerr was yes. a third rounder, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Nate Newton, undrafted. Mark Tuane, undrafted. Right. Fam you. Mark Stepnowski, <laughs> third round. So you don't have to have a first-round guy at every spot. Find me a second, third, fourth-round guy that I can develop and get in there. And, and and have some have some talent. They're they're out there. You just gotta. You, but to use a first round pick again on another offensive lineman, you gotta tell me that the defensive guys that I've got high on my board are no longer available. No longer available. Uh, and then I, I I could maybe qualify it. But those guys are gonna be gone, Bill. Won't they be gone in the f top nine? Uh, Sewell will be gone. Uh, Slater, Slater would probably be there at ten. Is he the guy um, with the short arms? And then you've also, well, you know that's the thing on on the measurements on these uh, because we didn't have a combine this right. year. How much do you believe all the measurements? There's a, there's an inconsistency on all right. If the, does the guy at Northwestern does he really know how to measure the arm length? Uh, is it uniform across the every pro day? I seriously doubt it. Uh, Slater, uh, 33 inch arms. 
Panay Sewell, 33 and a quarter inch arms, so it's not much difference there in their arm length. But I did do the research. I can't remember if I mentioned it on last week's show or not. If you look around the NFL and look at specifically at either tackle spot, but especially at left tackle, and I think if you're drafting in the first round a tackle, that it needs to be someone who has the ability to eventually replace Tyron Smith whenever he retires at left tackle. Uh, if you look around the league, uh, there are very few tackles that with an arm length of less than 34 inches. Um, it's just it gives them a big advantage. Tyron Smith, for example, has 36 inch arms and 11 inch hands. Speaking of hand size, so so again, got, if if, if if we if we are to assume that Tyron Smith and Lael Collins are ready to go, and to me, they wouldn't have given them those restructured contracts. Meaning ready, ready to go, meaning ready to play, not yes. ready to leave. Yeah, ready to play, <laughs> yes. Ready to go the opening day, right? They wouldn't have restructured their contracts uh, if, if they didn't feel like whatever surgeries they had took care of what they needed. So if, if those guys are good, you're not going to draft a guy better than Tyron Smith. I'm sorry. And, and so that guy's going to sit on the bench. That would be like the Green Bay Packers taking a quarterback last year with wherever they were, 26th pick or whatever, and he sat on the bench and they didn't improve their team. Now, you may, and I understand the draft isn't always for this year. Uh, you got to look down the road. But there's going to be other tackles that you can, you know, these aren't the last tackles, you know, like the last picture show. This is the last tackle show, right? Same thing with Kyle Pitts. I understand he's great, right? But he's going to be the last tight end to ever come around that's going to be good. In two years, there'll be another Kyle Pitts. So, to me, find, you know, there. I, I saw the, the guy from Michigan. I think they, they, they consider him a guard, maybe, tackle. Um, Jalen Mayfield, is that the guy from Michigan? Yep, Jalen Mayfield. He's six That's five, right. what about him? 326 pounds. You know, he may be a second, third round guy, according to one board I saw. Uh, take well, a guy like that. And you talk about you talk about arm length, right? 32 and five eighths inches. That's why he's a guard. He's not playing tackle in this league. <laughs> he, he's not even got arms long enough to play center. <laughs> Hey, he can't even reach his food on the plate if he pushed too far away from the table. That's how short his arms. Well, there was, a, and there was a. I have to say though, there was a guy from Nebraska say, that I saw. If we're picking at ten, if we're picking at ten, everyone's not going to be gone. You know, this is this is like so out of the realm of possibility. All the like Parsons not going to be gone, and Colomore and Collins not going to be gone. Not to mention the DB Sertan, talking Farley. We're talking. Uh, Horn, Horn. Horn. All of them are not going to be gone, especially with the five quarterbacks you have possibly in the first round. All of them are not going to be gone. We're going to have our choice to pick whoever we need. If it's not going to be a linebacker, it's going to be one of these defensive backs. So, no, I, I just don't see that scenario. Uh, it's not even logical to me. And, and Steven answered the question about defense, and they were asking him about different positions. And he said the defensive needs, he goes – it's across the board. We can't. And then he went on to say, we can't have enough linebackers. He was talking about the game today, right? He said, you can't have enough linebackers 
uh, who can cover. And, and the Cowboys obviously need more than one, right? And, and so that yeah. leaves that open. But he, he was very definitive. Defensively, we have to get better. And I'm telling you, that's I just can't see him being lulled to any other position. He also no. had a great answer no. when he was asked about Jerry's comment about Pitts, uh, that he was intrigued by the tight end. Well, sure he's intrigued. Everybody's intrigued by him. And, and, and Steven answered it this way. He said, certainly Jerry was just commenting on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Everson, I've got a homework assignment for you for next week. We're talking Ready, about the, the linebackers. I want you to t- go look at Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa from Notre Dame. Got it yeah. right here, baby. Yeah, I want you to take a Six, look at one, him. 6'1", 220 pounds. Yeah. I already know a little bit about him. The guy can be somewhat of a hybrid if he wanted to because he wants what? Uh, what under a four five forty. you know. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. I'm ready for it. That that highlight tape of his, wow, it's something else. Um, and and you talk about the new breed, what uh, Mickey, what Stevens talking about there, the uh, day and age where you, a linebacker who can cover. Uh, this guy is, I mean, in sub packages, he's one of your starting linebackers, and he can in the in the base defense, he can play safety for you. Oh, we'll and you could you you could use him in a nickel the way they wanted to do last year. You know, use him as a nickel guy as opposed to going with a small defensive back. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of putting that. instead of yeah. putting Everson Walls at Jordan strong Lewis. side linebacker, you know. <laughs> instead of putting hey, him. Hey man, come on! <laughs> you don't know what kind of work I did in New York when they moved me to safety, baby. I have the I have the pinch nerves to show for it. Come on, I'll, I'll stick it in if I have to. <laughs> and then the other the other thing. Uh, a homework assignment for both of you for next Tuesday. Who is who is the guy that you want the Cowboys to come away with uh, in the first round? And you can throw in other guys if you'd like, depending Excellent. on how much research you want to do. But uh, who who do you want the Cowboys to get in the first round next week? Okay? All That's right, your you got it. Assignment. Excellent. You got All right. It. And we will talk at you again next week here on Mix Shots. Go Cowboys. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!